Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding member, Joe Coughlin. We've got some uh, week six football matchups to talk about, so we'll get you all caught up on that. We've also got some state golf happening or sectional golf um, as we are in the postseason rush now. So we will uh, talk to you guys about that. So why don't we break things down for quarter format. First quarter, week six, we recap all of that. In the second quarter, we're joined by new Trier football player, Patrick Hennigan. In the third quarter, we play our weekly game of way or no way, our fun little guessing game we do each week. And then in the fourth quarter, it's week seven as we preview some fun matchups here as we are entering the final third of the regular season. Um, playoffs are on the line for a few of our teams. So um, we've got some fun stuff to talk about um, in this one as well. Um, quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that podcasts are available. Make sure you look us up, write a nice little review. If we're not where you listen to podcasts, let us know. And we are be more than happy to uh, add the varsity there. Want to make sure we uh, expose our great work to as many people as possible. But um, let's jump on in here and uh, talk about uh, an interesting week six, Joe. I mean, uh, I don't know if any of the scores that we kind of talked about in last week's podcast really went the way that we predicted. Maybe Nutrier was the closest um, into what we kind of predicted, but um, we got two uh, wins in the area, one loss, um, Loyola and Nutrier winning, Highland Park losing. Let's start off with that Loyola matchup. Loyola traveling down to um, Marist, competing against uh, another CCL Blue opponent. And um, for the first quarter, Joe, it did not uh, look great. Loyola trailed for the first time all season and trailed at the end of the first quarter for the first time, um, allowing their first first quarter points from their opponent, trailing seven and nothing. But um, Loyola regrouped and uh, ended up winning 28 to 17 and probably their first real test of the season. Um, I was at that game and talking with the players and coaches, um, just being able to, um, get that opportunity and, uh, get that chance to, you know, kind of deal with some adversity deals with some things that maybe didn't go the way that they wanted and for them to bounce back. Um, it's really a game that, um, Loyola kind of needed because you can only win so many Again, we always want to preface this by saying, yes, it's first world problems by winning every game by 30 points. But you need a game like this against a tough opponent like Marist where you need to learn how to deal with adversity because in the playoffs, it's not all just going to be easy blowout wins if you're trying to win a Class 8A state title. Yeah. Um, and we talked about when it was going to happen. We weren't sure it was going to happen until Mount Carmel. Um, but um, it happened here. You know, they got – scored on first for the first time in the first quarter, first, first quarter points, as you mentioned. So a little bit of a punch in the mouth, right to them. And how are you going to react? And I think the biggest, um, and, and you can uh, for sure comment on this, but my biggest takeaway from Neil's story, our reporter was that uh, their defense really stepped up when they had to, you know, they were put in a pressure situation for really the first time late in the game where they really had to make a stop. And if they didn't, you know, they could lose. And before, if they didn't make a stop, okay, now we're only up two or three scores. This was, uh, we got to make a play right now. And they got um, quarterback pressure. They got that sack on fourth down. Um, they got a couple picks late. Um, it's huge. So it was great to see that defense step up in a pressure situation. I'm interested to see what you saw in that. And also what you saw, what did Marist's D 
defense do to slow Loyola because no other nobody else has been able to do that. I wouldn't let's, sticking with the let's start off with the offense. I think it, it was interesting because I asked Coach Hollis like after the game, like what did Maris do or like what led to that slow offensive start. And Coach Hollis had kind of laughed and was like, what, what slow offensive start? Like, we went all the way down to the Maris 33-yard line, and we just got stopped on fourth down. So, I mean, it was interesting to see where Marist only had one possession in the first half, and Loyola had two possessions in the first half. So, um, it wasn't in the really – first quarter or first half? In the first half. Oh. So that, it was that kind of a game where Loyola and Maris were playing some traditional CCL football where they were running the ball a lot and getting a lot of opportunities. And um, – yeah, I mean, it was just pretty much where Loyola stalled on the first play, first drive, got stopped on fourth down, uh, fell behind seven to nothing after um, uh, Maris was able to score. And then after that, I mean, Jake Sterney and the offense kind of got it going. I mean, they kind of had to finish things off a little bit, but Loyola led 14 to seven after um, the first uh, at, at halftime. Um so, I mean, you just had opportunities for the offense to kind of figure it out. They regrouped after falling behind early on, and uh, they were just able to move the ball around. And um, you mentioned those interceptions for the defense uh, earlier. Um, Loyola was only up, I think, I believe it was, yeah, 21 to 17 Loyola. Red Hawks are um, at the Ramblers 26. Um, but Brooks Barr picked up a big sack to force a turnover on downs. And then on the next two possessions, um, Maris quarterback Dermot Smith uh, threw interceptions to Ty Otteson and Johnny McGuire on uh, Maris' next two drives. And that was pretty much it for Maris on trying to make a comeback. And then um, Sterney hit um, Declan Ford for a long touchdown to put this game away, 28 to 17. But um, it was pretty much just, I think Loyola just got stalled on the first drive when it came time to, um, you know, time, time to score. They got stalled. Maris got their score, and then Ramblers just kind of responded after that. I mean, Sturdy completed 20, 16 of his 22 passes for 190 yards, had four touchdowns. Will Nemeshine continued to um, be a workhorse for the Ramblers with 132 uh, rushing yards. He caught a touchdown that Ford finished with 79 receiving yards. So I wouldn't say anything about um, the offense terribly being – you know, the offense really stalling or anything like that, I think it just pretty much was a lot of time was taken up by those first two drives where Loyola really had one opportunity that got stalled on the fourth down. Um, and then Maris was just able to drive down the field and score. So, um, yeah, I think the offense was doing what it needed to do. And I think it just pretty much came up of um, not scoring in the first that first drive. And then uh, the Loyola defense gave up a, a couple touchdowns there, which um, was interesting because uh, – Brooks Barr talked about how Loyola defense, you know, gave up an early lead and gave up a couple touchdowns there, but they really held on strong, which is what you want to see from a defense like this, where you're not going to shut out a CCL blue opponent every single week. So being able to pick up key interceptions and a key of fourth down stop is really what's going to make a difference for this Ramblers team that's trying to, you know, finish the season perfect and win a state title. Yeah, I mean, you just said it, the Catholic League, you're not going to hold everybody down even if you have an elite defense like the Ramblers do and um, just not all the time. And, and there will be games where they let up three or six to those Catholic league opponents and the defense plays out of its minds. Good, but there's talented people on the other sides of that football and uh, they play football too, and they're good at it and they're going to score sometimes. So uh, it was great to see them rebound and pick up that six victory. 
And I think that's the biggest thing you can take from this game. Yeah, Loyola trailed for the first time. Yeah, Loyola um, was down after the first quarter, but everyone responded. And that's exactly what you want to see um, against Mount Carmel, who they themselves had struggles in week six, only winning by a touchdown late by Blaney Dowling um, against Brother Rice in week six. So it was a fun weekend for the CCL Blue um, when it came to a couple of good football games. But um, when you're going to play Mount Carbo, when you're going to be playing against these big teams like Lincoln Way East and um, Glenbard West and all these other 8A teams, um, you're going to need to face some adversity. And I think for the first time, Loyola saw some adversity, handled it well. Coach Halasek was proud of the way his team responded um, against adversity for the first time this season. And um, it's really interesting to see how they move forward here. Um, we'll talk more about Providence in week seven and how I kind of think that potentially could have been a trap game, but I don't think it'll be a trap game anymore. Um, but we'll talk more about that in the fourth quarter. But yeah, big win for the Ramblers and uh, something that really has you encouraged about when it's time to pick out your brackets, uh, you know, when the playoffs start that wins like this. And obviously we need to see what happens week nine against Mount Carmel, but um, weeks like this really have you encouraged that this team can be doing something special. Um, and I think that they're aware of that after what happened on Friday night. All right. Let's move on over. Now we'll talk about Highland Park, who um, entering this game, we thought that Highland Park could give um, Deerfield uh, some trouble. And this was a really good opportunity for the Giants to, you know, kind of make some hay, get, you know, take control of the CSL North. And um, they, it seemed like from what you talked about, Joe, before we started doing this podcast and from reading your story, that Highland Park just got in its own way against the Warriors. And um, is the reason why the Warriors were, or why the Giants were shut out 20 to nothing against Deerfield. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happens. You know, uh, high emotion game, homecoming for Deerfield, your rival. Uh, we know what Highland Park's really pushing to do this year uh, and working really hard at it. And then the first snap's negative 22 yards. Um, there goes that drive. Your next drive, you turn the ball over on a handoff right away. There goes that drive. Your third drive, another errant snap, another minus 22 yards. Now you've given up your first three drives on the road. Um, Deerfield, Deerfield scores twice off those mistakes or miscues, and you're in a big hole. And, you know, your offense has to really try to fight out of it, and they never really could. You know, we even had a couple drops here or there, too. So it was it was 20 to nothing uh, early in the second quarter. Uh, maybe it was midway through the second quarter. But that was all the scoring in this game. And uh, that third touchdown from um, Deerfield wasn't easy to come by. And I think the, the Highland Park offense is certainly much better than that. And really, like, like you put, they got in their own way a lot. And it really put them in a hole that they couldn't climb out of. It was going to be a close battle, I think, any way you slice it. Um, and you just can't have those mistakes and, and come out victorious many times. So it was really tough for them, I think. Um, to know that it was a winnable game and uh, they kind of stepped on their own foot. What is your approach and what was the, you know, Anthony Cobb's uh, head coach approach after a game like this? This is a game you write off and you don't really worry about it and it was just an off game where you just made mistakes or is this a game that you're kind of concerned about and you look at it as saying like, well, we have flaws here. Or we have concerns here that we need to buckle up in the next three weeks before um, if we want to make the postseason here. Yeah, you know, his approach, it was pretty clear. And I heard him say it to the team, and then he said it to me, was that uh, everything's still right in front of us. 
it's all right there. You know, we, yeah, we have one loss in conference, but so does everybody else except I think Maine West right now. So you be Maine West now, now you're right back at the top. You, you win two more games. You're a playoff team. Uh, most likely you qualify for the playoffs. So everything's still in front of them was how he phrased it. Uh, and I think uh, they just need to really believe in that. Um, it was a tough one, um, one they really wanted, but they got to bounce back. You know, that's what it's all about in high school sports in general um, is um, the resiliency you can show um, unless you're the 1% of the 1% that never loses, um, you're going to lose um, probably, probably multiple times. So how do you get back up from that? And they're going to have to get up from a tough one um, this Friday night to get back on track, but it's uh, it was a tough one. And I just think that they have the pieces in place to, to be a playoff team, but it's not going to be an easy road now. And um, they also had an injury um, to their quarterback who David Finfer, um, I hope he's back this week. It's kind of unknown. He had a, um, a bit of a head thing, um, nothing to, nothing to laugh about. I just don't know much about it other than he was kind of shaken up. So we'll see. Um, hopefully he's fine and uh, he gets back under center, um, but they might be in trouble without him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they happen and how they regroup. Nick Blummer had 53 receiving yards and five catches um, to lead Highland Park. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. We'll talk more about it in the fourth quarter, just previewing their uh, week seven matchup. But um, interesting to see what this team is able to do moving forward and whether how quickly they're able to, you know, kind of flush this one away and kind of regroup and play like the team that we saw a little bit earlier in the season. Um, all right, let's move on over to Nutrier, who uh, picked up a come from behind wind over CSL opponent Glenbrook North. Uh, the Trevians came back to win 24 to 17 um, after being down at halftime, um, 17 to 10. And uh, Joe, the Trevians, um, Trevians continue to grow in front of our eyes. We, we, this seems like a different team from what we talked about earlier in the year, the team that was growing a lot, a team that was making a lot of mistakes. And now we're seeing a team that's kind of regrouping and able to make some adjustments um, as, you know, throughout the game to, you know, pick up another win. Yeah, I don't think um, they win this game earlier in the season. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit, at least on paper, of the Stevenson game. Um, they go down early. How do they respond in, in the Stevenson game? Stevenson just poured it on big play after big play, and they didn't make the adjustments on the field to make it happen. This time they did. Um, they went down in the second quarter and, and had a, a seven-point deficit at halftime and scored twice in, in the – in the third quarter and didn't give up any points. Um, so it was really great to see. We think, I think that defense is completely reformed. Um, they have some new pieces back. Obviously Jackson McCary's back on both sides of the ball. They put Miles Kermiscoli, maybe one of the best athletes um, in the conference um, on the defensive end um, as well. Um, and they've moved some other things around and they got healthy. And I think that defense is playing up to the challenge. Um, Talked to coach <clears throat> Dahl about how, the, the Glenbrook's North new quarterback, who I think just went in about a week ago, um, it scrambles, runs around, and he really caused fits for Nutria in the first half. And they figured it out in the second half. You know, they put somebody on to spy him a little bit. They put different pressure packages in um, to, to get at him and force him this way or that way. And uh, it worked. No points in the second half. And they got a blocked punt. Charles August, that was huge. Momentum turner right there. Um, and, uh, you know, some of their other pieces did what they do. You know, Patrick Hennigan had a rushing touchdown. Dylan Jeppy had one. Miles um, Kermiscoli had two more 40-yard catches. 
Um, and uh, uh, Jackson McCary uh, had his second touchdown in two weeks. This one, a long one, I think uh, 70 yards. So good stuff from Nashir, really rebounded nicely. And like I said, I don't know if it's a game they win early in the season. Um, talk about the defense just being able to hold off the Spartans after, you know, giving up 17 um, points uh, just to be able to kind of hold things off um, and to really, you know, this defense was a major concern for us earlier in the season. And now to be able to hold off the Spartans to hold on to the win, um, that feels like a big feat for uh, what this team wants to accomplish with the rest of the regular season. Yeah, I think they know that. I think they're playing with with that edge and that chip on their shoulder that they gave up so many points early. And I think getting, you know, from how it sounded, getting run all over the place by this, uh, you know, Spartans quarterback uh, kind of ticked them off a little bit. And they came out in the second half with renewed energy and wanted and put a stop to it pretty quickly. Um, and credit the coaches for putting in some new new things and new schemes for them to do that. Uh, but big second half from um, Liam Fitzgerald. Uh, one of their pass rushers, he had in the game, he had 10 tackles, three for loss. Um, two of those were sacks. Um, and then uh, their, their Mike linebacker, um, Will Morrison, I think had 15 tackles. So better tackling. I think they could still improve there, but now that they're healthy, they're seeing better tackling and just less chunk plays that we saw earlier. And well, let's jump on over now to the second quarter. We'll hear more about the offense at Nutria's win from the man himself, the quarterback himself, Patrick Hennigan. Um, Joe, I know uh, what are we going to hear from uh, Patrick about uh, the latest Nutria win? I'm just going to hear about their resiliency and coming back uh, and how that feels and how it feels, you know, kind of being three and three after a pretty, uh, pretty tough 0 and three start, very unlike um, a Nutria football team. So, um, how they're feeling at three and three and where they go from here. All right, let's take a listen. All about it. I know you guys had a comeback victory, a big, yeah. a big, uh, third quarter. Tell me what, uh, how you guys pulled it off. Yeah. You know, um, defense really stepped up. Defense played a, a great game and, um, you know, we were able to get our run game going. We had three rushing touchdowns yesterday. Third, or first half Jackson McCary had a huge, uh, I don't know how far it was, but I mean, definitely, like, I think it was 70 plus yard touchdown run. And then um, in the third third quarter, Dil, or Dylan Jeppy and I both had rushing touchdowns. So offense, you know, we all started to come together, um, and we, we finished strong. That's what we've been preaching for a while, just, you know, come out of halftime and finish strong. So that's what we did yesterday. So pretty happy about all that. And I know the past couple of weeks, it seems you've been running a little bit more, um, kind of a bit of a, a tinker with the offense. Um what what does that feel like for you as quarterback, and what do you try to do? What do you what do you look for before you take off? Um, well, you know there are obviously some designed run plays, but other times, you know, good coverage by a defense. You know, I just have to try and make something out of what I got. But you know, our line's been has been blocking blocking great recently. Um, really or super proud of them because they've been working really hard. So they've been opening up holes for me, but also all the running backs. So. Well, yeah, I mean, the line's been doing great, so that's been helpful to open up our run game a little bit recently. And I think you had the third, the second touchdown to give you guys kind of the lead or yeah. uh, to tie the ball game. What was the, what was that play? Uh, well, it was really designed pass play, you know, a quick game, and defense covered it well, so rolled out to the left, uh, looking to, you know, like sort of Proudy or Charles, Olgus, but, you know, they just weren't open, so I just tucked it and ran, and 
and got in. <laughs> how how far was it? Uh, I think it was like about ten yards. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and you know, you guys went down um, seventeen ten at half. Yeah. What did you talk about on the offensive end, or just as a team going into that second half? Um, well, our our big thing is we have to we have to come out of halftime. We can't be flat. You know, we have to come out. We have to fire on each on special teams, offense, defense, and that's something that we did yesterday, and we executed very well. Um, our offense, you know, first drive where we have to start to you know, get some longer drives, you know, 10-play drives, so we can keep that defense off the field. But yesterday, you know, first drive, uh, uh, I think we might have gone three and out. So, we, you know, like we have to start to do that because, like we saw in the friend game, if we have a good first drive, you know, just gives us that momentum and the whole team's, you know, rallying over that touchdown, and it, it really helps. But Coming out of halftime, our big thing is we can't be flat. And yesterday, that's that's something that we did. We were not flat. We came out, and you know, defense played a hell of a game, and so did our offense. So it worked out really well. Okay, you guys started zero and three. Obviously, not what you wanted, but you evened yeah. it up at three and three. So, just tell me, how is this team feeling right now? Like, kind of, where do you feel like you're at as a team? Uh, we're 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 feeling really good. Um, but we all of us know that there's there's a lot more that this team can accomplish. You know, we got three more regular season games. Uh, we have three really tough teams. You know, this conference isn't every team you play is going to be a tough team. So we have three tough games coming up. Um, but we all, we know we have a lot more we can accomplish. But we are we're really proud of how you know we've been focusing week by week, winning quarter by quarter, and we've been doing that. We've been playing well, executing well. Um, but we know that there's a lot more left in the tank. Thanks so much for joining us, Patrick. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, let's jump on over now to the third quarter where we play our weekly game of Way or No Way. I throw out five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon them, whether they can happen, way or no way, they cannot happen. All right, we had boys and girls sectional golf happening on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, Nutria girls finished second in their Glenbrook North sectional. Way or no way, Joe, that this Nutria girls golf team can bring home a state trophy? Oh, the girls, I don't know. Glenbrook North has been a step above them and everybody else in the area all season. It, it's an unbelievable team. They're really good. They got the medalist um, and uh, and I think a couple other top 10 finishers at sectional, um, similar to what they did the regional when they put all their entries up there. I think they won by double digits, if not more, um, in a one-day tournament. That's spectacular. So uh, Glenbrook North is a favorite. And now can Nutria pick up a trophy? I think if they, they play like they did um, yesterday, Monday, then yeah, I think they can, but they're not. I don't think they really have a line unless something goes wrong at the state tournament for a for a championship. Yeah, I think uh, unfortunately I might go with the no way just with you know GBN being there um, and showing off, like you said, what they've been able to do. There's some other good uh, state teams as well um, who will be competing in the tournament. So um, I think that they'll finish well. I think they'll do well at state, but I don't know if they'll be. This is the year that they'll be able to bring home a state. Uh, trophy so I'm going to go with a no way 
Um, sticking with girls golf, Joe, way or no way that Loyola girls golf will bring home a medalist from the state tournament? Oh, what do they hand medals to? You don't mean first place, do you? No, I mean like top five, top 10. Yeah, I think Katie Matt, uh, Magner could do it. Will she? It's so tough. And I hear this, you know, we were talking about it at the sectional that the weather might uh, be pretty disappointing. Um, tough there over the weekend. We'll see. But uh, I think Katie Magner could do it. So could Bailey Vidapo. I hope I pronounced that right, Bailey. Um, they have the they have the stuff to do it. It's just going to be tough. It's a tough field, and I expect uh, a couple GBN golfers to be in there. Um, and Amy Bean Blossom from Nutrier should be in there. Should she play right? She's gunning for a state championship. So, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll say Katie Magner gets up there. Yeah, I think th I feel like uh, golf is always the most interesting because I feel like the weather conditions play the biggest role in golf and like sports like tennis where. Yeah, things can happen that day to day and all that kind of stuff. But golf really feels like a sport where, you know, things can drastically change from Monday to Friday and Saturday. So um, I think there's, uh, you know, based on what we've seen from other teams and what we've seen from the area, I don't know if Loyola will have a medalist. I think they potentially can, but I'm going to go with no way, just the competition being too tough and the weather conditions maybe not being the best. Um, I'm unfortunately going to go with no way. All right, we're going to stick with golf and move on to boys golf. Way or no way, Joe, that Nutra boys golf can win a state title? Way. I think they can do it. This team is prime. They're experienced. Um, you know, they're led by most of the team is, is juniors and seniors, and they're led by the seniors, uh, Tyler Greenspan and um, Alex Crimian. Um, and then they got some juniors right there backing them up, um, and Johnny Crimian and, and Noah Wang and um, – this is a good team. It's, it's well-rounded. It scores well. It's got some guys that can surprise folks. Um, some of the younger guys, as well as some of the backups that aren't always in the top four. So uh, I think they could do it. They have a chance uh, to, to take home a first place trophy. So I'll say way. Yeah, I think I'll go with way as well. I think that this team has shown that it's capable to do what it wants to do to win a championship. And um, I think definitely that um, they do, uh, you know, with the scores that they put up with the way that they competed at the sectional, they definitely have a chance to win a state title. So it'll be fun to see what happens there um, this upcoming weekend uh, down in central Illinois. All right. Seeds came out for boys soccer playoffs for all three levels or three classes, I should say. Um, way or no way, Joe, you think that the Nutria boys soccer team deserves the number one seed that they got? Yeah, I think way. I think they've shown it. Um, they've shown it throughout the season um, with, you know, no, they haven't really been beaten um, other than the tournament, uh, the Northside Challenge. I don't think they have. And they've taken some ties. I think they could have won and maybe should have. But uh, they've held serve. They haven't um, allowed folks to be better than them. So I think that that's right where they should be. And it's going to be a good one. Um, it's a talented sectional. You got to separate them somehow. And um, you know, not having one local loss, um, I guess having zero local losses is a better way to say it, is a pretty good resume. Yeah, I think I definitely go with way. They definitely deserve it. I think with what they've been able to do uh, this season, what we've been um, able to watch them compete the way that they have, I definitely would go with way. They definitely deserve um, to get that number one seed. And I think it should be a fun sectional, as it always is, to see who escapes um, out of the area with a lot of good um, soccer teams um, in the North Shore area. Final way or no way, we're going to stick with boys soccer. North Shore Country Day 
got the number one, uh, one of the number one seeds in the sectional. Way or no way that um, if everything goes chalk, North Shore Country Day can beat Ladin and move on to a super sectional. Yeah, they can do it. Uh, this team's good. This team's really good. They, they, they've taken on every challenger and turned them away. Um, I believe they only have a couple ties. I think they've racked up like 18 wins, which is huge in a boys' soccer season. Um, they beat Francis Parker, one of their rivals, uh, the past two times, um, within the past week, I should say. This is a really good Raiders team, and I think they, they're hungry for it. So I'll say wait. Yeah, I'll go with Way here as well. I think it'll be fun to see what how far they're able to go with the talent that they have this season. Um, number one seed sets up some favorable matchups in the tournament, so um, should be fun to see in the in a week as the Class One A tournament starts in a week. So we'll see how far uh, North Shore Country Day is uh, able to go. But that's everything we've got for this week's version of Way or No Way. Let's move on to. Quarter number four and week number seven of football. Joe and I were talking about this before the podcast. Kind of crazy that we are entering week seven and entering the final third stretch of the, you know, football season for the regular season. And before we get into um, matchups here and looking ahead, um, Loyola at six and zero oh, playoff team. Pretty much, we expect them. Um, to either finish the season undefeated or finish the regular season, maybe with a, a one loss, if they had to Mount Carmel. We'll talk about that matchup, obviously, when it gets closer. But um, for both Nutria and Highland Park, both teams um, at three wins right now, based on some projections that we've seen here at Friday Night Drive from Steve Stussy. Obviously, we uh, might have some four-win teams uh, pushing the envelope about making the playoffs. So, Joe, for both Nutria and Highland Park, just what – Final three games of the regular season. What can we expect out of these teams as they try to make a final uh, playoff push here, especially Nutrier, who has two of its next three games against two top 25 teams or at least top 30 teams? Yeah, Nutrier has really got an uphill climb. I feel like I've been saying that way more this season. <laughs> um, you know, Glenbrook South has proven uh, that last year wasn't a one-off, and uh, they've really come back with a really nice season. They're big. They're physical. Uh, they run it at you a lot and uh, wear you down, and that might be troubling for the Nutrier defense. They got to find a way to get off the field, the defense, and score the football um, at a pretty, you know, a few times. It's not, you know, they, they're not going to win 7-0 um, against this team. They're not going to win 14-7. Um, they're going to have to score and find a way, which they haven't done at a high clip um, this season. Um, so we'll see. Uh, what they what they do and, and what they scheme up for this Glenbrook South team, but this is tough. And then they got Niles West and Maine South. Maine, now Niles West has improved this year, but Maine South is Maine South. Um, while it might be a slight, you know, we expect Maine South to be a state contender. I don't know if they're there this year, but they're sure certainly still the class of the CSL South, which they proved with a victory. So, man, it's going to be tough for Nutria to get five. It really is. Uh, but I know that uh, that's going to motivate them. They they see what's in front of them, um, and they're going to be very, very pumped up for this one on Friday night. What do you Highland think? Park. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, go to Highland Park. <sighs> to switch to Highland Park, I really don't know what to make of this conference. We were talking about this before, too. So now Maine West is um, undefeated in conference. I think they're four and two overall, but they, they've won their first couple, and they just beat Vernon Hills. Um, who was up there last year, Vernon Hills um, might not be um, that big of a foe, but they've played some tough schedules too. So I think every week here on out, other than Highland Parks, it has Maine West or has um, 
Maine East this week. So I think that's a victory on the schedule, a chance for them to get right, to feel good about themselves. Maine West improved, but not there yet. And uh, then they got Vernon Hills and Maine West. I think both those are going to be tough games for them. And I, I, man, I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Uh, I think they got to be right and uh, be motivated uh, to get to those four wins. It's not going to be easy. So for both of them, it's not going to be easy. I'd give the better chance maybe to um, Highland Park um, right now, just because, like you said, two top 25 teams left on Nutria's schedule. But it's going to be a fun final three weeks, no doubt. Sticking, going back to Nutria real quickly before we do, you know, week seven previews, um, where where do you think the playoff points align for Nutria? Let's say Nutria beats Niles West, loses to Glenbrook South and Maine South, and they finish the season at four and five, and Class 8A uh, might need playoff teams um, based on, you know, the limited amount of teams, the big flux that we're having this year with how many teams are winning and losing, and um, you got... Hersey, which is a good team. Palatine has only one loss on the season. Um, Evanston and GBN are all right. Um, Fremd, obviously, we know is Fremd. And then uh, Stevenson is three and three. Um, but losing to Hersey and losing to Palatine, you'll have Maine South and Glenbrook South on your strength of schedule as well. Um, could points potentially help this new cheer team? make the playoffs and we'll get a better idea of this as we get closer in the next couple of weeks. But is there even hope that obviously they want to, their approach is to win every, all three of these games and to try to get the six wins. But from our vantage point, does playoff points potentially help this new cheer team maybe make the playoffs if they get a four and five record? Well, I wish I had access to the Seuss's spreadsheets because I'd like to see what other teams are going to put up with four if they get to four wins. So if new ends with four, you know, and they get, you know, at least seven or at least seven wins from four of those teams, um, Glenbrook South, Maine South, um, Palatine and Hersey, maybe, maybe nine from Hersey, um, eight or nine from Hersey, maybe eight from Palatine, you know, that's really going to help them, but they're going to be taken down a notch um, by friend. Um, not many, not many wins there to put on the strength of schedule um, and uh, Glenbrook North too, who plays. So, they could be there though. That's a lot of wins that you're getting out of those four very quality opponents. So uh, they could be up in the mix. I'm just not sure what other four and four, four win teams might be too. If Nutrier loses um, two of three. All right, let's look at these matchups for week six. Let's start off here with Nutrier since we're already talking about them. Glenbrook South five and one. Glenbrook South losing by a touchdown to Maine South last week for essentially the CSL South title. If things go chalk the rest of the way. Um, a tough matchup here, Joe, for Nutrier. I think just based on what we've seen from both teams, I think that Nutrier will make this game much closer than I think we expected them to earlier in the season. But I still think that it's a game where GBS is just going to show off its talent and just what it's been able to build over the last couple of years. Yeah, I would agree with you there. That's certainly what it appears. And I haven't seen enough yet to contradict that. That doesn't mean Nutrier doesn't scheme up a way to get in the game and, you know, a few bounces go your way and that offense takes another step forward. Uh, then we got a game. Um, but, you know, at this point, um, I don't think their tackling's there yet or their defense. And with, with the thing Glenbrook South does well, their physicality, that, that could really hurt Nutrier in, in this one. It's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be loud. And I think, you know, if, if Nutrier's defense can get off the field, they can tackle well, and I, I do think they might have to turn the ball over at least at least once 
you know, maybe more than that, maybe twice and, and three times. Um, and then we might, we might see a surprise upset here, but it's going to take a lot. Um, Glenbrook South is that good. All right. Highland Park taking on Maine East, who is one and five. This feels like a get right game, Joe, for Highland Park and a game where maybe they can work some things out offensively and defensively as they get ready for uh, Vernon Hills and Maine West to finish off the regular season. Yeah, I think I think we're going to use this game here. I think it's, uh, you know, you want it's in the conference. So you want to make sure you you execute and uh, get the W. But, you know, when when you feel like you're in pretty good shape, can we work on some things here? Can we make sure our guys are right um, and we're crisp and we're ready to go forward? That defense already looks pretty good here. Um, but we need, you know, we need at least two wins um, to qualify. So uh, can we get to that point? Um, what do we need to get to that point? I think they'll be able to work on a couple of those things. And um, that's going to include moving the football at a regular pace. And that's going to include um, running the football too. I think they want to do that more than they have in the past couple of weeks. All right, let's jump on over to this Providence Loyola matchup, which I kind of hinted at a little bit earlier. Um, mm -hmm. Loyola travels down to New Lenox um, to take on Providence at 730. Um, we mentioned, or yeah, I mentioned, you know, the travel and, guys brought it up last week after the game about like having to sit through an hour and a half of traffic and then try to get ready for a football game is tough and sometimes you forget that these are high school kids playing this game and it's hard to you know put all that things together so I think this Providence game was more of a trap game for me before Marist and I think it's less of a trap game just because of the game the way the Marist went on yet last week where Marist took its lead and Loyola's first lead Loyola had to come back um I think Loyola will be more, not that they're not on top of it, but the, the right wording would probably be just like Loyola is going to be more aware of what Providence has done and maybe not take them as lightly given what happened last week. I mean, Providence um, is really interesting this year. They held on and almost beat Julia Catholic. They lost 49 to 41, um, but then they beat Fenwick 25 to 22. They beat Montini last week, 33 to nothing, but they lost to Eden North 28 to nothing. So um, Providence really showing, you know, it's a rebuilding program under a new head coach for the first year that's, you know, developing a lot of stuff. And, um, I think that this game for Loyola maybe was a little bit of a sneaky, um, game, but I think after last week, Joe, that this game might not be a sneaky and Loyola might be able to control things much more, uh, than they did last week against Marist. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I, I think, um, I think Loyal is the better team here. I think we both think that, but Providence is much improved, you know, from this is one of Providence Catholic is one of the kind of premier programs in the past 30 years in the state. Um, and in the past few years, maybe the past five to seven, they've been kind of toiling in that mediocrity stage. No, I shouldn't say mediocrity, that good, not great stage. They're a solid team, but when you play in the CCL, that doesn't get you many wins because um, you got to be great, um, like we've seen out of Brother Rice, St. Rita, Loyola has kind of ascended to um, over these past years. So, But this year they're starting to get back there. They look really good. Um, their losses they've taken, as you, as you just kind of ironed out here, um, are, are tough losses and pretty good losses. Um, not good to them, good to us. Um, so it could be a trap game. You're right. They just had a challenge. So they're more a little battle tested, but still you, you don't know you're on the road, um, you know, under the lights in a, in a, um, um, after a long drive, uh, who knows what could happen, but I do think that 
Loyola better be ready because um, Providence doesn't mess around this year. They kind of took care of Providence in a decisive and, and surgical fashion last year, but Providence was very injured and very young. Um, they're healthy. They're good. Um, it's going to be a good football game. Um, Loyola just needs to be ready. Yeah, I think the biggest interesting matchup is going to be what the offense is able to do because Joliet Catholic is obviously a good, very talented team, one of the best teams in 4A, um, and they put up 49 points against this team. Fenwick put up 25 or 22 points against this team. Loyola handled Fenwick pretty easily earlier in the year, and uh, Wheaton North put up 28 points against um, this defense. So I think the, I mean, the defense came up big last week, and I think both phases of the ball really played a role in the win but I think the offense is going to look to start things off a little bit quicker than it did last week again quicker being the emphasis of having more than one drive in the first quarter but you know just being able to get the ball going and give their team an early lead like they have for most of the season I think that's going to be on top of their minds as they start this game against Providence yeah I think you're right yeah I, I don't think that that offense has been used to putting up um points this year and kind of you know pretty much scoring at will against you know any of its opponents and then uh, until Maris so I think they want to get back to that I think this offense is very uh very proud um from the offensive line setting the tone to uh the playmakers um and I think they want to get back to that and uh find the end zone multiple times early and um, I think look for them to do that and they'll be in good shape all right, let's get some predictions out of the way here to finish things off. Highland Park and Maine East, what's your score there, Joe? I think Highland Park, like we talked about, gets right. I think David Finfer, um, I hope he's back. And if he's back, I think he, he throws the ball um, and gets them in good spots uh, for multiple scores. So I'm going to say they, they take care of business at uh, 35 to 7. Yeah, I think uh, Highland Park should be able to do this pretty easily. I think that it's a good right state game for them, like I said earlier. I think they win 35-3. to three. Um, Should be able to get the offense and defense going pretty easily. All right, uh, New Trier hosting GBS on Friday. Joe, what's your score there? This is the one – this is where I'll be Friday night. Um, I, I expect some good football, but GBS is, is you know um, – a very good team this year. They're very good. I think they're coming in as the favorites. And uh, if Nutria doesn't slow them down, it could get out of hand. I think we're going to land somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think Nutria tries to come back that falls short. Um, so I'm going to say, I think, I think GBS is going to rack it up. I'll say uh, 35 to 21. I think GBS is looking for revenge after um, losing the main South and basically losing the CSL South last week. They're going to take out some anger out on Nutria. And I think uh, Titans win 32 to 14. Um, I think that the defense isn't able to keep up with the Titans. And I think the offense struggles a little bit with the defense that is able to create turnovers and the Trevians are um, still developing there. So I think that the Titans win um, big. All right. Loyola travels down to New Lenox to take on Providence on Friday. Joe, what's your score there? I think we're going to look at something very similar to, to the St. Rita game or something like that, where two good teams, but Loyola is just this consistent, regular force. Uh, and they really don't give you any inch. I think they're going to get back to that. And I think we're, we're again, looking at a, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 31 to 10. Yeah, I think both phases of the ball come out motivated, but I think the offense comes out motivated in this matchup. Not that they had a bad game last week, but I think that they come out quick uh, as opposed to uh, 
last week, and I think that Loyola wins um, 35 to 10. Um, the defense limits uh, them, maybe gives them a late touchdown there, but um, I think that this offense is going to be primed for a big game, and um, it should be really interesting to see how they compete at New Lenox. But that is week seven previewed, and that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure to give us a like and subscribe and spread the word and listen to other episodes of the podcast. We always appreciate it. Um, check out my stuff and all our great work at the Friday Night Drive. We've got all your football stuff, projections, rankings, and everything you need to know about football in the state of Illinois. And Joe has everything else covered at the record NorthShore.org, North Shore Sports and News features, all everything that's going on there. Make sure you check out and subscribe to his great work at the record North Shore. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.